So maybe a first question would be, give us a state of just your tribes. Madison has just been designated in December, Truax Field, as the home of F-35A. Doctor, can you start? Give us an overview. On March 27th, the administration of Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers implemented ordered a 60-day moratorium on evictions. And that, uh, that moratorium ended on May 27th. And I want to talk to several people who have closely followed the evictions uh, issue and the future about that. I want to thank them for coming in to this Newsmakers uh, with the uh, arranged with the Wisconsin Realtors. So first of all, I want to thank uh, Chris Smokler, Director of Legislative Affairs for the Wisconsin Apartment Association. Heiner Giese is an attorney who represents the Apartment Association of Southeastern Wisconsin. Colleen Foley is Executive Director of Legal Aid Society of Milwaukee. And Joe Murray is Director of Political and Governmental Affairs for the Wisconsin Realtors Association. Okay, let's talk about lessons learned from the first moratorium for the first part of the show. And then we'll talk about the major questions that are out there going forward. So, as I said, the governor implemented that 60-day moratorium on March 27th. But it was also coupled with $50 million in aid from the, from, from the Federal CARES Act, uh, $25 million to the state, $15 million to uh, Milwaukee, uh, and $10 million to Dane County. So can I open with a general and anybody just jump in? Lessons learned from the first moratorium. Was it effective? How did it work? Is there still money being allotted? I don't care who goes first because this is a very talented panel. Please. I'll jump in. Uh, it, it certainly helped the tenants out. Uh, actually, as far as Milwaukee County goes, the moratorium started, in effect started even earlier because the courts were closed. The sheriff wasn't executing risks as, as of about March 13th. So, uh, you know, we landlords obviously were very concerned about it. Uh, if it has to happen again, God forbid, if the virus gets worse, um, it should the moratorium should be limited to, non, uh, to non-rent paying situations. Uh, tenant misbehavior, that kind of thing, uh, should still be grounds for for eviction. And unfortunately, under Evers moratorium, you had to show like actual violence or danger uh, on the part of a tenant, which is pretty restrictive. Okay, somebody else, please. I agree with Heiner. Uh, you know, on what he said, but I think one thing that was good out of all of this is landlords and tenants learned how to work together um, to because this is a community problem that came up with COVID nineteen, and we need to talk to each other, communicate, and figure out ways to resolve these matters and, and hopefully not end up in court. And the Wisconsin Department Association, along with all, all the others, are, are working to stress that to everybody, um, that we need to work together. Some people you know, paid the rent like they were supposed to. Some people did not and maybe could have and maybe could not have. Um, so there's going to be some issues. And fortunately, so far, I don't believe we're seeing that in the eviction count. Um, but there was some good things and, and some unfortunate things. Uh, I think, Colleen, yeah. uh, uh, I'm sorry, Go ahead. Joe, uh, no, uh, Colleen, um, Chris just said that a uh, new era in landlord-tenant relations. Can can you elaborate on that? Absolutely, and I concur. Um, it, and it's always best that we open the lines of communication. So I agree with Chris. It, it's been, uh, you know, to answer your immediate question, absolutely, the moratorium was 
very beneficial, you know, massive job loss in the midst of a pandemic uh, that you're not putting people out on the street. And our, our, um, our law firm here, you know, we serve individuals at or below 125% of the federal poverty guidelines. So we're dealing with people who are already in a tough spot. Uh, and, and uh, we, you know, eviction court shut down for two months. And so uh, people, you know, during, a, we live in Wisconsin, it was cold in March, April, and uh, part of May. So, um, so we were thankful for it. And we've had a great ongoing dialogue uh, with many landlords and, and are working together on the housing, uh, rental housing resource center that, that will be mutually beneficial and um, be available for landlords and tenants. Go Joe, ahead. you were gonna say? I agree with all of that. I would, I would just wanna emphasize a point that uh, both Heiner and Chris touched on because I think it's really important from the policy standpoint. And we're gonna get in a little bit about what to expect or anticipate for the second half of this year in a, in a few minutes. But one of the lessons we learned is that a blanket moratorium that covers all renters in, is far too broad in scope. Not all renters, thankfully, were impacted by COVID. And I don't think anybody would assume that all renters will be impacted in the second half of this year or into next year either. One of the things I think that is a big concern to the rental industry is the scope of the moratorium. It should be, it should cover people who are definitely affected. They should make sure that those who are being impacted have lost their job, have applied for these, these funds are the ones that are covered, not everybody, because there is abuse in the field. And I think that's an important point to make for the, for the future. I just want to follow up on um, how the process worked initially. The, 25 million statewide, 15 million Milwaukee, 10, 10 million for Dane County. Can, can you break that down? What, what's the nuts and bolts of that? Did, um, did, did renters apply for that? How was it administered? What, what, what was the process? And is this money still going out? Please. Oh, the RAP funds have to be applied for by the tenant. Um, we've asked many landlords to help them find the information and get the information they need. But the, the tenant has to contact their local CAP agency here in the uh, in Winnebago County where I am now. That's AdvoCAP. Um, so they have to make application with them. And uh, eventually the landlord is reached out to to get information from them um, to verify information and, and get whatever inform particular information on that landlord they need. So it has to start with the tenant uh, and go from there. So and the check is delivered directly to the landlord. Okay. Um, Colleen, if the $15 million for Milwaukee had not been appropriated, what, what would have happened to these tenants, a lot of which your organization worked with? Certainly there would have been, I mean, June was a tough month with a number of evictions, um, you know, a 20% increase from a year ago. It would have been much higher. Uh, you know, I'm glad to share with you some statistics if it's useful for the audience about Community Advocates is administering those approximately, I think, I believe 10 million of the Milwaukee County monies goes to rental assistance. And from June 1st until July 24th, they've had uh, 10,291 phone calls. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, it's just a reflection of the, the need out there for these funds. Um, of those individuals, they surveyed 270 of them and 66% of them have a claim pending with unemployment. So, you know, that that backlog with the state system has been really problematic for people 
you know, and impeded their ability to pay their rent. I just wanted to mention that information as well. And the process is community advocates has hired about 17 college kids for the summer to help them, you know, take the phone calls, get the forms going. And, um, you know, they've got a great system set up, but it's just now being launched really. And they've had um, 231 checks submitted to the county uh, with the county funding. Just again, just some more data I just got from them. Okay, appreciate that. Any reaction to the numbers that Colleen just said from anybody? Any PSs on that team? Yeah, it's interesting. Now, this is where Colleen and I differ a little bit. You know, they 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 see this as a uh, excuse me. They see this as a um, a spike, and and our position has been well. There were two thousand uh, evictions penned in the pipeline, and I think it's been great that we landlords and tenants have been working together to landlords showing forbearance, tenants trying to get their money. Uh, and actually, considering there was a 2,000 person backlog, the, the numbers could have been could have been a lot more. So, uh, pardon me. So, uh, the important point is, interestingly, the July numbers are, are up. I mean, are down now, year over mm-hmm. year. So, that shows that everybody's waiting for the money to come, hopefully. And that money is still in the pipeline, Chris, right? Yes, uh, you know, I, I don't have the numbers of how much have been used. I usually get those reports on Fridays uh, when the Wisconsin Department Association has their COVID-19 task force meeting where we try to bring all landlords in Wisconsin up to date with factual and the latest news. Um, but, you know, it is it is starting to flow from reports. We do, uh, we've talked to landlords throughout the state and they are starting to receive checks. Well, maybe it's a good time to use uh, to, to bring in a graphic that uh, I'm uh, thankful to the realtors for helping us develop. But this is ev- eviction filings, January through June. Statewide, 2019, 13,544. 2020, 9,469, a drop of 4,075. And Milwaukee, 2019, again, the time window here, January through June, 6,522. Same six months, 2020, 2,139, a drop of 4,383. Somebody interpret those numbers for me, whether it's Colleen or whether it's Heiner or help, help, help our viewers understand that. I'm glad to start. Please. Um, so, you know, no matter what you think of what's happening, June was a June, there was a big uptick, and perhaps that's a reflection, most likely, of multiple things, including that we had a moratorium in place, for, an eviction moratorium, statewide a ban from March 26 to May 26. So the numbers, that suppressed the numbers this year compared to a year ago, you know, just because everything shut down. Um, and it's true, July, uh, the numbers, uh, you know, yet, as of yesterday, I got the numbers for um, July and they were down for Milwaukee County Circuit Court and they were down 100. So um, so the money is helping. Uh, lots of landlords have been, you know, I, I applaud the um, Apartment Association of Southeastern Wisconsin for, you know, urging restraint and patience while these, while these systems get set up to get this money out. Um, I guess the only other thing I'd mention is for my office from a year ago, I looked at our data from May 27th when evictions could be filed again until mid-July, and we are at triple the number of cases that we had a year ago. And um, we're getting, you know, for that same time period, we're getting about 
55 calls a day, which is unheard of for us. Um, community advocates reports that they are fielding since um, the pandemic started, they've been fielding approximately um, 2,000 calls a week, which is just incredible. And um, they've had a tenfold increase in their calls since the pandemic began. So um, I think I'm getting far afield from your question, but I did just want to share that in terms of what's happening you know, with last year's numbers and this year's numbers and uh, with evictions, you know, clearly the court was shut down. Uh, the eviction ban was statewide and courts were not doing evictions for those several months and that impacts everything as well as a backlog, which is likely reflected in the June filings. Well, uh, Colleen, just a quick follow-up then. Um, the numbers that you just gave us indicate a great deal of uncertainty out there on the part right. of renters and fear and uh, a wonder about, okay, am I gonna get called back? Have I, lost, uh, is my, have I lost my job permanently? What's gonna be in the next aid package? So uh, any other panelists wanna, wanna talk, wanna respond to the numbers that Colleen just gave us, please. Yeah, I would jump in a little bit on this one, Steve. One of the points we've tried to make in, with that graph that, that you were just referencing was you can, and I'm, I'm not, downplaying the severity of what may be to come because we all know that if the federal government, the state, and the counties don't continue to work together, there's a real problem in the future potentially. But I think it's also unfair to just take a certain point or a snapshot of one piece of the first half of this year because when we all started this process and we went into the, the COVID shutdowns at shelters starting in mid-March, we heard who knows how many stories or read how many headlines about how disastrous everything was going to be. And indeed, it could have been, except the federal government responded in a way because they understood that there was going to be a problem. They supplied the resources. And we as an organization, organizations rather, said, we're not seeing that kind of catastrophic fallout so far, in spite of what everybody was warning about. And I think when you take a look at the totality of the first half of the year, four months of which include the COVID issue, more than four months actually that include the COVID issue, those numbers speak for themselves. It's not to say there isn't a problem, but it is to say that the initial concerns and predictions were vastly overstated. Okay, any response Colleen before I go to my next line of questioning? No? Um, yeah, yeah, let's all be thankful for that, and um, of course, and um, I think that uh, the public funding has been really a game changer, and, and we could have been in a much, a, a much bleaker place right now had local, state, and federal authorities not um, stepped up in terms of not only policy decisions about the ban, but financial incentives, you know, with the with the stimulus check and the enhanced unemployment. And um, now, you know, the county and the state with the RAP funds and the eviction prevention funds. So clearly, I, I, you know, we've had, uh, we've had some significant uh, governmental intervention, financially and policy wise, that has made a significant difference. I think we would have been in a very different place. Okay, well, thanks, thanks very much for summarizing the, the, the little bit of history here, but I'm curious, can I ask each of you the biggest questions in your mind going forward, because we're talking here major national policy. 
on housing and evictions and the rental market. Biggest questions in your mind going forward. Chris, go first. Well, uh, there's a couple of them. I mean, obviously, where is this virus going? Are we going to have, you know, a comeback? And nobody knows. I mean, we see numbers creeping up right now, but um, where that goes and how that gets handled is going to be interesting. Of course, uh, the HEROES Act or whatever they're calling it in the Senate now is a big question mark. Uh, There's been uh, talk of um, eviction moratoriums and, you know, those type of things, no rent being paid. Um, that's very difficult for landlords. About 39% of the rent, every dollar in rent that they collect goes to pay the mortgage. But there's another 61% in there that is, if the rent's not being paid, utilities aren't getting paid, repairs aren't being made, taxes are not being paid, which is going to be hurting municipalities. About nine, nine cents out of every dollar, according to the National Apartment Association, actually goes in the landlord's pocket, you know, to pay their grocery bill, to pay their mortgage, to pay their utilities. I'm sorry, so I just want to be sure I got the right number. Nine cents out of every dollar? Nine cents out of every dollar okay. for large landlords, a little less for smaller landlords. And we all, I, I would hope we all know that there are more smaller landlords than big landlords out there. So really, it's actually less than nine cents going out there. So, you know, if we if there is a rent freeze or an eviction moratorium on a national level, that's going to hurt the industry and ultimately could put people on the street and ultimately could cost rents to go, to go up. And that doesn't help our customers either. Okay. Heiner, uh, your biggest concerns going forward, sir? I would say the uh, biggest concern is, will the unemployment count, the federal extra money, uh, continue and at what level? Quick example, tenant of mine called me late March, lost her job as a high-end uh, server at a high-end restaurant. I forgave her half the April rent. I said, let's let's see what happens. She then did get her UC payments. A single person living in a one-bedroom apartment rent is pretty modest, 555. Uh, she's been able to pay so far because obviously she's gotten that $600 a month extra money. But if that doesn't continue, and I haven't talked to her, I'm assuming her restaurant job may well not be coming back, then clearly starting now in August and September, she's gonna have trouble paying her rent. And that is what concerns, I'm sure, a lot of landlords besides me. Uh, follow up, Heiner. Do you think it would be wise public policy to continue the $600 per week? Because you're well aware of the debate in Washington. Uh, senators like Ron Johnson say you're, you're, re- you're rewarding people for not working. Um, the Senate package, $1 trillion includes 1200 per person, plus 200 or 70% of the average. But um, I'm just curious, would you be in favor of continuing the 600 or something less? Well, something less. I think the 600 is, is perhaps too high. And also, it should probably be tied into, which, is, which it isn't now, tied into the person trying to get a new job. Okay. <clears throat> Uh, biggest issue that concerns you, Colleen, your turn. Um, yeah, so we'd all be thrilled if there was a um, vaccine available in the fall, but the likelihood of that are, is unfortunately probably pretty slim. So, you know, we still have this uh, raging public health uh, pandemic, and uh, I'm concerned, you know, in the fall when the cold weather hits, you know, that. Um, you know, for the people that we represent in particular, there's going to be uh, an uptick in homelessness and uh, in the midst of a pandemic and, you know, community spread that happens when people are in congregate settings in high numbers. And I've certainly looked at, you know, I have some limited um, information on the HEAL Act that the Senate Republicans put out this week. And it's, you know, the amount of money that they're offering for public housing, I think it's of a $1 trillion budget, 3.3 um, 
billion for public housing, rural rent assistance, and housing choice vouchers, and that is just a drop in the bucket. And certainly recognize there's a lot of landlords who are obviously in crisis as well, and that people have to make mortgage payments. And um, so there has to be, I think, in, at the federal level, there has to be some significant funding that benefits. Um, you know, if there's an eviction moratorium, then there has to be uh, funding so that landlords can survive this as well, and it has to be significant. And I don't see that coming in the current package. It, it seems very inadequate to me. Colleen, I just want to be sure I got the numbers right. Of the initial offer of $1 trillion from Senate Republicans, only $3.2 billion would go for rent assistance? Correct, which is puny. I mean, it's, it is literally a drop in the bucket. It's, okay. it's, it's not enough. Okay. Joe, thanks for your patience. The biggest uh, questions in your mind going forward, the biggest policy decisions that have to be made. My biggest concern, Steve, drives off of exactly what Colleen and Heiner were just talking about, and that's Congress lacking a sense of urgency like they had four months ago when everything started. Congress, to their credit, the same divided Congress then as we have now, made sure that the spiking unemployment was addressed through funding, that they had the stimulus checks, that they didn't sit around and fight between themselves and, and let people just fall into, into real financial trouble. My biggest fear is somebody who does this kind of thing at the state level is that they don't maintain that same sense of urgency that somehow they let their internal squabbles get the best of them and people fall off a financial cliff in the process. I think it's really important for Congress, including the Wisconsin delegation across the board, to understand that internal bickering and not getting things done in a timely way comes with real consequences to tenants, landlords, and local governments. Well, I want to go deeper in the weeds on this because it is so critically important. Mm-hmm. Am I right that the $3 trillion, with a T, package passed by the U.S. House includes a 12-month national more moratorium on evictions? Is, is that part of it? Do I have that right? Yes. yes. Okay. If that became law, and I realize our Senate Republicans and House Democrats are so far apart, none of us knows, but what are the implications if there was a 12-month national moratorium on evictions? Colleen, would, would, would that be wise public policy? Do you support that? Um, I, it, and I appreciate the question, but it's not going to happen. Um, but if, you know, something incredibly stunning occurred and it got passed, uh, I, I, that would be, um, inc- I'm sure, incredibly damaging to landlords. Uh, you know, it would be a huge um, help to tenants. It would cripple landlords. It, you know, you can't do it without funding on the other side. It's, it's too, it's, it's more complex than that, obviously. And I would be amazed, shocked if it, if it occurred anyway, if a 12 month moratorium got issued. Okay. I, I, you just said it's not in the world of practical Washington, Washington <laughs> politics to become law, but I'm just curious, the rest of the panelists on a 12 month national moratorium, what, what would that mean for landlords? I think it'd be devastating for landlords, um, you know, and uh, it, ultimately, if it's devastating for landlords down the road, it's going to be devastating for our customers, our tenants. Um, there'll be less housing available and, and uh, I believe, higher rents down the road. 
Uh, so I think it's very devastating for all of us. Einer, please. Yeah, I'll. Um, there are so many added, uh, so much moral hazard. I'll, I'll point over that way behind my camera. There is a penthouse, and hypothetically, the guy living in that penthouse is some businessman who's who just who just lost the restaurant or his gym. He's paying five thousand dollars a month in rent, and now the eviction moratorium sets in, and he's he's golden. He'll stay up there enjoying his Lake Michigan view for another twelve months. And how fair is that? So. You know, you, you read all this stuff and you analyze, and you think, how in the heck could they pass a law like that that just everybody in the country doesn't have to pay their rent for a whole year? Clearly what has to happen is you need the moratorium limited to people, that, limited to affect landlords who are getting government aid. Of course they shouldn't be able to evict a person who they're getting money for. So that's an answer. But um, uh, Heiner, in your weekend memo to all of us, you said that landlords would become so much more selective if there was this national 12 month, uh, do, do you want to speak to that? Cause I found that a very interesting point in, in your memo. Yeah, sure. That's that, that is, that is something to think about on the weekly uh, uh, zoom meetings that Chris and I have with the Wisconsin department association, there's been some indication from landlords already that they're quite concerned about if you're going to rent to a, a vacant, uh, if you're, if you're opening up a vacancy to a tenant uh, you want to be, you, what you'd like to think, that's going to be a solid tenant and they're going to, you're going to be getting your rent. And if you're facing a, the possibility that the tenant might suddenly, for whatever reason, not, not pay you, uh, that makes you think twice. Joe, you haven't had a chance to weigh in on this uh, house provision, 12 month uh, moratorium, please. Being around landlords, <clears throat> so many of our members are in that business and you've got two associations and an advocacy organization on the, on this in this meeting and in this program today. I think if you go back 12 years ago and you look at places like some of the cities where you had a lot of boarded up property because people couldn't pay their bills, you already heard this earlier, most landlords in Wisconsin are not big landlords. They don't own complexes. They don't own a lot. They're small ma and pop, whether they're somebody with a duplex or somebody with a fourplex, an eightplex, whatever the case is, if you don't have that same sense of urgency and, and take the seriousness of the second half of this year the same way you did earlier, I think you're going to have big problems and they'll be, vis they'll be visible pretty quickly. You can't ask. It's not even reasonable or logical from any policy standpoint to ask landlords to try and through eviction moratoriums to cover everybody why Congress did theirs to get something done. Even President Trump came out today or through his, through his spokespeople saying, we need, an, we need another moratorium. We need to take care of the people. He's definitely right on part of that. He does need to help take care of the people, especially the ones who have been unemployed through no fault of their own. Congress needs to make sure that they fund the people who need funding, who cannot go back to work, I don't know how to say it strongly enough. The small landlord does not have the capacity to take care of all the fallout from 30% unemployment through 30 million people being unemployed nationally. And what in Wisconsin, is it still 10, 12%? And that's down a little bit. Yeah, I think we're down to 12% from 13. I want to talk about the social unrest and protests. The George Floyd protests, the Black Lives Matter protests, the defund the police protests. Is there synergy 
there with the signs you see, rent strike, cancel rent. Uh, is there any synergy emerging or are they separate causes? I'm just, I'm just curious. Don't all answer at once, team. Okay. Chris? I believe they're separate causes. Separate causes. Okay. All right. I, 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 I agree. I, I would disagree a bit, Steve. I, I would say, but they, they, to some extent, they feed off each other. Uh, so the, not so much, in, but you see this in other states, a bit more than Wisconsin. Uh, the cancel rent movement hasn't been quite as active here as it has been elsewhere with uh, huge demonstrations, for example. So uh, what, what gives the cancel rent movement some energy, obviously, is the fact that people are on the street. They came past my house uh, a, few, a few nights ago, the uh, Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, in the March to Wauwatosa. So um, that that does feed on itself, I think, on each other, I should say. Okay. Um, given the impasse at the moment on the next COVID-19 relief pa package in Washington, uh, are you focusing then, well, you're, we're all waiting on how that's going to play out. I understand that. But is there lobbying going on with the Evers administration? We need another round, another 50 million from the 200, 280 million that Majority Leader Steinecke says the governor is not appropriated, is is there any lobbying going on with the Evers administration to act on this, or is everybody just waiting on Congress's next action? The compromise. The lobbying from our from our organization, yet. Yeah. No. Not from my not from my world either. I think a lot of people are waiting to see what Congress is going to do. And then we have the, you know, the elections looming on the horizon as well. Um, yeah. Steve, I'll jump in here. Um, I can tell, I can speak for the Wisconsin Realtors Association. We haven't stopped lobbying. We have been meeting uh, through these kinds of meetings, primarily Zoom, uh, over the last four months with every member of our congressional delegation and one of our major points that we have talked about with every one of them is exactly what we're talking about today, that they, they had a good and strong response in the first round, and they, they can't just stop and fall into a hole and forget it now for the rest of the year, that it's extremely important, particularly with talk of more moratoriums at the national level. Joe, you just mentioned the announcement today by President Trump or one of his representatives. So. <laughs> Here's my follow-up question. I'm confessing my ignorance. Where is the uh, Democratic nominee, Mr. Biden, on some of these issues? Uh, I don't know. Does Do, do any uh, of the panelists know? On evictions or uh, do we know what he said? I can assume what he said, but I don't, I'm not certain what his, I would think his position would be that he'd be in favor of a, a, a moratorium, a broad moratorium. Okay. Most people are fixated on what the Senate and the House are doing, Steve, and, and what those negotiations are. And I don't know that uh, the the Democratic nominee has, has gone out of his way in any significant way to talk about this. The president has, but I'm I'm unfamiliar with what Joe Biden might have said. I, I think he has come out, and well, yeah, I'm sure if he were here right now, we asked him. I'm sure he would say that he's in favor of the Heroes Act, as passed by the House, with respect to the 100 billion dollar, 100 billion dollars in that in that act for housing relief. Okay, 
maybe one way to bring this conversation to a close, and it's been a fascinating discussion, is I'm really curious, as we wait on Congress and the next COVID-19 package, the House is at $3 trillion, U.S. Senate Republicans open at $1 trillion. As we wait on this tremendous public policy to be resolved, what is your advice, number one, Colleen, to renters and the rest of you to your uh, landlords and property owners? Uh, Colleen, you want to go first? Sure. In terms of renters, um, you know, take advantage of this public funding while it's available because it's going to go fast and um, there's a long line for it. But I would encourage people to, you know, first and foremost, and that that's mutually beneficial for tenants and landlords. And then uh, all along throughout this crisis, uh, our office has advocated that tenants keep an open communication with their landlords that, um, you know, I've been working for like five weeks here trying to get a public record request answered by the state in terms of how many people are waiting on checks in Milwaukee County unemployment checks. So, um, you know, I think there's continued open lines of communication serves everyone uh, and continued patience as much as possible. I know this is just hard times. This is a 100 year, um, you know, plague for lack of a better word. And and the economic fallout. This is just like nothing this country and, and individuals, you know, citizens have experienced in our lifetime. So um, we have to work together and, and, and hopefully the Congress and the Senate will do the right thing and, and put out a more serious, you know, joint effort on funding because the fall and winter are coming. And if we don't have a vaccine, which we likely will not, there is, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be terrible for people. And just to P.S. Colleen, just this week, the Department of Workforce Development said there are still 97,000 claims pending, unprocessed. So. I mean, that's just insane. You know, people are waiting, and that's hurt. That's just downstream. That hurts everyone clearly. So, okay, okay. it's not acceptable. Uh, it's not an acceptable situation. Chris, your advice to uh, landlords. Well, not to sound like a broken record, I, of course, agree, agree with what Colleen said. Let's keep the communication open. Let's work together, landlords and tenants. Let's break down those past barriers of uh, between landlords and tenants. Uh, and, again, tenants, if they need the assistance, you know, apply for it and, and get going on that. Um, obviously, if, if you need to change industries, seek out your job training and, and perhaps find a new job in a new industry until – the rest of the state gets opened up. I mean, a lot of our uh, fellow business owners, like the restaurant industry, is hurting right now. So uh, we got to do what we got to do to survive. We got to do what we got to do to work together to get through this because we don't know exactly what the future is going to hold and we don't know if the federal government's going to come through anytime soon. Thank you. Heiner, please. Yeah, my message would be uh, I think to landlords actually uh, think about the fact that a landlord, you may lose all your profit for the year. You may even have to dig in your pocket a bit if the tenant ultimately doesn't get enough money or doesn't get all their rent paid for the year. If it's, especially if it's been a long-term tenant, think about the fact that this is going to be a, a bad year for you in your pocketbook, but uh, think of how much worse it is for the tenant who, God forbid, is going to lose their housing, is going to be have to move in with relatives, and is not, you know, is has a much greater impact than just a financial one. And because of the COVID concern, those relatives may not welcome that person who has just lost her or his housing, right? Uh, Joe, uh, wrap-up comment on your advice to WRA members? 
Uh, I think all the advice that you just heard from the other three people on this panel is spot on. I would just add one more point to communication for people who have access to, and everybody does, make sure that your elected officials know that this issue is serious and that they need to move. They need to, they need to maintain a sense of urgency and dithering is not acceptable. Congress specializes in, in dithering, but they don't have to. It's really that important. Okay. Is there any other important point any of you want to make before I, I thank you for a very informative session? Any, anything come to mind that we haven't hit on? I have a quick point, and this goes to, and I'm not sure, like, for your association, how many, what the breakdown is on small landlords versus larger landlords, but I had a really interesting discussion in the last two weeks with a large landlord in Milwaukee and his lawyer, and something that they uh, educated me on that I wasn't familiar with is how, for larger operations, the debt service coverage issues and how, you know, that banks... um, banks are squeezing larger landlords in a way that has, um, you know, downstream effect on the landlord and the tenant. And um, so I'm going to, I'm going to get myself better educated on that point, but I think we also need to step back from this and ask more of other players like the banking system that perhaps is putting squeeze on, you know, however, you know, medium to large size uh, landlords and, and that that needs, you know, let's take a look at, those players as well and how their actions at a higher level are impacting, you know, the system overall and putting the squeeze on landlords and tenants, et cetera. That's a fascinating observation. Any response by the other panelists to that? Yeah, I, uh, right. That's a, that's a good point of Colleen's and a thing we haven't talked about to keep in mind is that uh, if there's a moratorium and if it's said that, well, landlords, we're going to give you mortgage forbearance. You don't have to pay your mortgage for a while. Uh, so that's a trade-off with the tenants not having to pay their rent. Unfortunately, that ignores the fact that you've got taxes, maintenance, et cetera, uh, money that you still have to come up with. And um, that's that's an, obviously an important uh, question. Okay. Chris, Joe, any PSs before we close? Uh, just uh, tag on to what Heiner said. Only 39% of every dollar that a landlord collects goes to the mortgage. So there's 61% going to other places besides, the you know, including the landlord's pocket. So... Um, that's real important what Heiner said is a mortgage moratorium is not going to get all the bills paid. Joe, any final word? No, I think this was an excellent panel. We've, we've uh, made the points I think need to be made, and I really appreciate all the, all the uh, input from everybody. Yeah, I want to thank Chris Mokler, Director of Legislative Affairs for the Wisconsin Apartment Association, Heiner Giese, an attorney representing the Apartment Association of Southeastern Wisconsin, Lean Foley, Executive Director of Legal Aid Society of Milwaukee, and Joe Murray, Director of Political and Government Affairs for the Wisconsin Realtors. Wisai wants to thank uh, Wisconsin Realtors for its support in making this program possible. Thank you very much. Important public policy. And once uh, we get another COVID-19 package, maybe we should come back in a few months, team. How about that? Yes, sure. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks. This program is a production of Wisconsin Eye, an independent, nonpartisan, nonprofit media network with a mission to inform, educate, and engage the citizens of Wisconsin. Wisconsin Eye is the nation's first and only independently funded state civics broadcast network, providing gavel to gavel access to government proceedings and events at the state capitol. 